the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God doesn't just change you so that you can be different for a couple of hours one day a week. He changes you so that all of you is immersed in the power of his love and his grace and his salvation. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Take your Bibles and turn to Jonah 2. Let's get our Jonah groove on, all right? (laughs) Jonah chapter 2. And then take a pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, whatever you can find to write with. Take the back of that bulletin. I want to give you some nuggets of gold that I think can help you and specifically can help you handle life when you find yourself in fishy, smelly, awful situations. Hey, think about these questions. What if God wanted to turn your greatest failures into his finest moment? What if God wanted to work miracles around you so that he could do miracles in you so that he could do miracles through you? What if God wanted to take those times that are your deepest and darkest and most depressing moments And turn them into opportunities to declare his glory and to display his plan for your life. I believe that's what we see in Jonah chapter 2. And I believe it could be applied to your life today. Somebody said that Jonah chapter 1 and 2 could be summed up this way. God said go. Jonah said no. The fish said oh. And Jonah said whoa. You remember what happened? God came to a prophet, a prophet who had already been successful prophesying or telling forth the word of God to the children of Israel. He came to Jonah and he told him to go, to go east to Nineveh. Jonah said, no, thank you. And he went west. He went down south first from Galilee to the port of Joppa. He boarded a ship and he headed as far away from the will and the word of God as he could. He headed to a place called Tarshish. You know what happened? The Bible says God sent a storm. And in the midst of that storm, the other people on the ship began to say, what's up? They prayed to all their little G gods, all their idol gods, and got no response. And so they went down below where Jonah was sleeping, of course. And they said, what gives? What's going on? And and Jonah said, oh, yeah, I worship the God of the land and the sea, the one true God of all creation. You probably should throw me overboard. He was so deep and dark and discouraged that he just wanted to die. And so they threw him overboard after a little bit of squabbling. And that's where we come at the end of chapter 1. Now, if I were to recap that in a little non 
biblical or extra biblical way, I would say if Jonah was going to college today, he would have gone to UNLV because he was the original running rebel. He got off to a bad start. He did everything he could to make it worse. He resisted God. He rebelled against God. And then he ran from God. I remember one time Muhammad Ali was about to go into a fight. And and he was told by a reporter, hey, your opponent says he's just going to stay on his toes and he's going to run from you. And Muhammad Ali said, well, he can run, but he can't hide. That's what Jonah discovered. So in verse 17 of chapter 1, it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And we talked last week about how hard it is for some people to think that could happen. So I just wanted to show you a few pictures of some big fish that are out there today. So this is kind of modern day. Now that alone should let you know, these are called whale sharks. And these whale sharks, as you can see, have been known to swallow living things whole. You've also got a blue whale. And and we see that this is not something that's unthought of. In fact, as we look through history, we see there's all kind of historical record of living beings, of a horse, of a reindeer, except for the horns. And of people being swallowed by fish and surviving. One story is told of a dog that was swallowed by a large fish. And when the fish died, the dog kind of woke out, woke up and kind of came out barking. (laughs) I don't know what kind of fish this was. I don't know all the ins and outs of this story. Like a lot of things in scripture, I don't think I have to. But I believe it. What happened simply was this. Jonah got a well house for a jail house. He spent three nights on a foam blubber mattress. And then he was spit out on dry land. And it's a reminder that our God is sovereign. He's never caught off guard by our circumstances. Hey, before I continue, let me just remind you, you can't read Jonah without seeing that like all of Scripture... We're being pointed to Jesus, right? And this is straight out of the words of Jesus in Matthew 12 when he answered them and said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The difference is that Jonah was swallowed up by the great fish because of his doing. Jesus was swallowed up by the grave because of our doing. And so we have this story of a prophet who is running from God because we're reminded that we all have a little bit of Jonah in us. We all have those times when we rebel, when we sin against God, and we need the second chance. We need the opportunity for grace and mercy. We need the avenue of repentance. So what happens next? Well, in chapter 2, we're reminded that God doesn't want us to be overly focused on what happened inside of the fish. He wants us to be focused on what was happening inside of Jonah. So I want you to look with me at Jonah chapter 2. Let's read this short chapter. And then today, honestly, there are just three simple truths that we can apply to our life. First of all, Verse 1, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Look at this. Then Jonah prayed. I want you to say, Jonah prayed. One of the things you're going to see in just a moment, one of those three simple truths, 
is we've got to understand the importance of prayer. We've got to get back as people who profess to be children of God, as followers of Jesus, to being people of prayer. So Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. Some of your translations say the belly of hell. I cried, and you heard my voice. For you, say you. You. Who's he talking about? All right, let's read the sentence and see if you still agree. For you cast me into the deep. Who threw him into the water? You see what I'm saying? He recognizes right here that though the sailors on the ship threw him overboard, it was God who cast him into the sea. What did I tell you to remember just a moment ago? God is sovereign. There's no circumstance in your life that catches him off guard. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. Hey, say that phrase with me. Just say those words. I remembered the Lord. Say it. I think that's so important that that we have moments in our life where we embrace what God is up to. Maybe it's a discipline. Maybe it's a season of deliverance. But we embrace what God is doing And we say, we remember the Lord. I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. And then this phrase, salvation belongs to the Lord. Now look at that one. And I want us to say it again. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Say it together. This is so important. This is the key phrase in all of the book of Jonah. Let's say it again. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So he made that testimony and then notice verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. So chapter one ends with the Lord appointing a fish or some of your translations saying preparing a great fish. Chapter 2 ends with him saying, the Lord spoke to the fish. Isn't that amazing? What do you do when you find yourself in a fishy situation? And, and how, do, how do you know if you need this today? Well, look around. Is, are things in your little corner of the world dark? Do you feel overwhelmed with darkness? Do you feel like you have descended into a deep place, into a very deep place? Are you discouraged and depressed? I hope a lot of you would say, well, I'm not there today. That would be good. But as we say, most of us have to understand that we will come into one of those moments and those seasons in our life. Why? Because we're either in a storm We've just stepped out of a storm, or we're headed into a storm. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church, right here in Tampa Bay. 
Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So let me give you these three truths. Let me unpack them for you. Truth number one, turn to God in prayer. We make things so much more difficult than they are. So when the result of Jonah's sin, he found himself in a deep and dark and depressing place. And he had decided he wanted to die. Remember that? He decided it was better to die than repent. That's why he told them to throw him over the side. But here, you know what he does? He says, I don't want to die. How often does this happen? We get down the road, down the spiral of sinfulness in our life. And we make the decision, this is not what I thought it was. And we're ready to backtrack. How does that look in your life? Maybe it's a relationship. You thought this relationship was going to be the answer to all of your problems. Your knight in shining armor are the princes that would save you. And you get down the road and you realize you've abandoned the will of God in that relationship. And you wish you would have never done it. Maybe it takes place when you take that first drink. Or maybe after a number of years, you decide, hey, these drinks don't bother me like I thought they once did. And you start down that slippery slope only to realize this is not what you wanted. I I wanted freedom from my pain. I didn't want more of a headache and a hangover. And maybe it's when you jumped out and you thought you just wanted to make the almighty buck and so you took the job that you wanted rather than the stepping into the path that God had planned for you. And you find yourself waking up miserable, not wanting to go to work. That deep, dark, depressing place. Hey, before I continue, let me just mention a minority of theologians actually believed that as he was descending into the deep, before he was swallowed by the whale, Jonah died. I think you can make that argument, though I I don't see that. But their reason for making that argument is that he was resurrected and that that then becomes a perfect picture for the resurrection of Christ. And, And that interpretation does not bother me if that is the case. But I think as you'll see, there's also opportunity to see how even in the midst of God working this miracle, God was working in this living Jonah. So let me tell you something first about prayer. Here's a principle. Prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. It's it's not unusual that we have foxhole faith. When we get to those points where, you know what a foxhole is? It's where the soldiers used to get down as they prepared for battle. And so when we're down in the bunker 
It's easy when we've gotten the call and all of a sudden we've got cancer and we didn't expect we would ever get that or our marriage is in trouble and we thought we had paradise or or we lost our job and we thought we were secure. It's easy in those moments to cry out to God and, and we're pretty good at that. It's the 911 prayers. And I'm so thankful that our God had a 911 emergency system long before any community did. But I want you to understand that we need to get to a place where prayer is, is our first response, not our last resort. Don't wait till it seems like it may be too late. So what can we learn from Jonah's prayer? First, we learned that his prayer was humble. It's clear that he understood finally the sovereignty of God. Now, what happens when we run from the will of, and the word of God? So what happened in chapter one? If you boil it down, Jonah had the same problem we have when we run from the will and the word of God. He thought what he knew was better than what God knew. So really, he thought he was smarter than God. Now, none of us would really say that, but please understand that's the natural outflow of what our sinful attitudes and actions lead to. By the time he begins his prayer, it's clear that Jonah has changed his song. He recognizes there is a God, and his name's not Jonah. He recognizes God is sovereign. He was broken. Have you been broken? I want you to think about that for a moment. The very word implies pain, doesn't it? It's hard to think of being broken and feeling good about it. Broken implies not whole, not the way it's supposed to be. And yet as we look at God's word, it seems that God specializes in using broken people for his glory. A.W. Tozer put it this way, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Someone put it this way, God loves to use broken things because it gives him lots of pieces to work with when he's putting things back together. This is what we know. Scripture and life teaches us the danger of pride and the importance of humility and brokenness. So maybe if you're in one of those deep and dark and depressing moments, you might say, God, are you breaking me down so that you can get me into that condition in which you want to begin to mold and shape me into what it is you have planned for me? So he was broken. His prayer was humble, but his prayer was also scriptural. I mean, a couple of things by that. First of all, it was in line doctrinally. I want to remind you, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this today, but it's important when you pray that your prayer be consistent with the truth of God's word. God is never going to contradict himself. So when you say God is at work in your life, if if what he's doing is not consistent with his word, that's not God. And it may even be spiritual, but it's not God. Because the Bible says we live in a spiritual world. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness. And so when you pray, make sure what you're praying is consistent with the word of God. I'm just telling you, I don't think if I pray, God help me win the lottery. (laughs) That's going to be consistent with the word of God. Because I don't think that's a good practice of stewardship. 
I don't think it's consistent with the word of God. If I pray, God, help this unsaved man to fall in love with me, or God, help this lost woman to love me the way I love her. I don't think that's going to be an answered prayer because that's not consistent with the word of God. That is what the word of God would call being unequally yoked. So make sure when you're praying, you're praying consistent with the word of God. But that's not even what I really mean. What I'm telling you is he prayed scriptural prayers because he knew the scriptures. In the great movements of God, we always see people praying the scriptures. As you read through this prayer of Jonah, some have said that there are many as eight or ten scriptural references to the Psalms. Let me give you a few examples. Jonah thinks he's going to die, and when he's going to die, he goes to the Word of God. By the way, when Jesus was on the cross, now they're pointing to Jesus. He did the same thing, right? Jesus prayed the Psalms. Why would I say Jesus prayed the Psalm? What did he pray that was a Psalm? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he was praying the prayer of the Psalms because Jesus knew the scriptures. Well, Jonah quotes from the Old Testament. Look in verse two. I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Where did he get that? Psalms 18 verse six, straight out of scripture. Look at verse three. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. Your wave billows pressed over me. Where did he get that? Psalms 42, seven. Jonah 2 verse 5, the waters closed in over me and they take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Where did he get that? Psalms 116 verse 3. Do you pray that way? Do you know enough scripture that you pray God's word? I'm so thankful for a godly mom who taught me the importance of memorizing scripture. So as a child, I learned Psalms 56 3. You know what it says? In the old King James, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Did you know, since I learned that when I was about seven, for about 42 years of my life, I have applied that verse. And so there are times as a child, there are times as an adult. There have been times in the last several years, I've been laying in my bed and felt like there was a heavy spiritual oppression around me. I've woken up in the middle of the night and I've just begun to pray. God, in your word, you tell me that when I am afraid, I can trust in you. You tell me that fear of anything other than you is not of you. So God, I'm trusting in you in this moment. Do you know how to pray the scriptures? The first prayer we should pray, perhaps you need to pray this today either now or in a moment, as a prayer of salvation. If you're here and you're not confident of your relationship with God and you need to make sure that you've got a relationship with God, the first prayer you need to pray is when Scripture says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, you need to pray that God would hear you call upon his name and save your life for eternity. Maybe you have a burden in your heart. You need to pray, God, you said that in your word that I can cast my burdens upon you because you care for me. You would just pray out to God in that way. Maybe you're lonely. And maybe you just need to remember that God's word says, I will never leave you nor ever forsake you. And you just need to pray that to God. God, I'm going to claim this truth that you gave me to, to, to ring true in my life today. You're never, no, ever, not ever going to leave me or forsake me. Maybe you got a problem in your life and a need. And you need to pray from Philippians 4, that promise that says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus.
pray the scriptures. This man named Jonah, he's in a mess. He's got a deep, a dark, a depressing dilemma. But he calls on God in prayer. You know what God does? He always does this. When we go to him in prayer, God takes the impossible and he makes it impossible. He takes those things that we think can't be done and he does them for his glory. So I want you to think about something. What's your dilemma? What's your dark place? What's your fishy situation? What's that thing that seems out of your control over your head? It's got you underwater. You got it? You got it in your mind? This means yes. I want you to bow your heads with me and let's pray. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.